Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 is where I want to start today, and then, um, and then we're going to kind of unwrap this thing, and I need you to stay connected uh, the entire time. Um, we're not going to be super long. I'm going to do my best um, to be brief today. And uh, as we unpack this, um, but I'm going to ask you, and I've already said it, but I'm going to ask you just point blank. I ask you to set down your biases, whatever they may be. And we're going to go to God. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one, it says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, let us not lose heart. Can you testify to that today? Have we received mercy? Have you received mercy today? If you've received mercy today, just show me, lift up your hand, if you've received mercy in your life today. As we have received mercy, we don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. We've not walked in the craftiness nor the handling of the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, whom do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. For we don't preach ourselves. But Christ Jesus our Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God that commanded the light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. That passage goes on to say, but we have that knowledge. We have that gift in earthen vessels. The thing is, guys, that even though we walk in the truth and we walk in the light, even though Christ lives on the inside of us, I believe that until we all come to the fullness of the knowledge of Christ, till we all come to the fact that we have reached perfection. And I'm here to tell you that that doesn't happen until we're caught up in the air with him. Until that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we meet them in the air. And then we have our eternal home. So until that day, we have things to learn. Until that day, we have growth that needs to happen. Until that day, there are areas in our life in which we are blind. We don't see the fullness of what God has for us. We don't walk in the fullness of what God has for us. But I believe that as we seek God, I believe that as we get on our knees and we say, God, it is not about me. I lay aside myself and I say, you teach me. You fill me. If we do that, then he does. And more of the revelation of who he is is revealed. And our blindness is gone. So when we start seeing these things in our news feeds and, and we have the, the murder of, of George Floyd and, and all of the things that are happening, 
immediately my mind goes where it traditionally has gone. Immediately, and I, I don't, I'm not saying that, that you are in the same boat that I am. I'm trying to be honest with you and say this is where I was at. Immediately, I say that is an absolute tragedy. There is no excuse. There is no reason. We've got a bad cop who obviously had some sort of hurt or racial bias in his life for whatever reason, and then he took it out on one of God's creations. And there's no excuse. And he should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But then on the other side, I thought this. But now we're going to have to see all the memes. But now we're going to have to see all the protests all over again. And as I began to think that, there was a check in my spirit that I've never had before about this subject. There was a check. And so I just backed up and I said, okay, God, I've learned that when I have that check, that I better slow down and I better back up a minute because God has something he needs to teach me. And I said, all right, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. I'm going to put aside my bias. And so as I saw rioting begin, again, I think to myself, how does that help anything? And I have a check. And God says, consider one another. So I asked God to reveal to me perspective. It's a perspective that growing up in a white home, I'll never truly have. I can say this, that living the first 10 years of my life in Oklahoma, it's different than it is in, in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Um, I by no means think that it's the worst. I think that growing up in the deep south is probably significantly different. But it's funny because Tiffany and I have talked quite a bit in both of our families. Racism exists. And it's less, and we can, we can note it, it's less with, with every generation. And, and my parents, there's not even a hint of racism in my parents or her parents. But, but as we go on down the line, we can see it. And it's something that, that my grandparents discussed and talked about. And, and it's something that I know that they actively fought because that's a world that they grew up in. My grandparents are not racist people. But it's, it's an, a, an area that they grew up in. And so all of that is just kind of an undertone, right? I'm just talking about me. I don't know what your story is. During our conversation the other night, we asked for those who felt comfortable sharing, what's your story in regards to this? Because we all come from a different place. And so as we begin to, to open this up and I ask God to give me perspective, one thing that I have said for my entire adult life in regards to racism is I don't see color. I just see people. I just see people who God loves. And if God loves them, I love them. And I said, and I've even said this, I don't think God sees color. He just sees his beautiful creation. To coin a, a, a phrase or, or to, to jump right in with a phrase that's commonly said, I've said it myself, I'm colorblind when it comes to people. 
And then God reminded me of something that I preach whenever we go on a mission trip, whenever we go to the mission field. I preach this. I ingrain it. I drive it home because I've seen it abused. There's so many times that the American missionary goes into a culture and says, we want to show you the right way to do things. And I think that's arrogant. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's wrong. And so when we go in to, uh, to another country, we are guests in their country, and we are there to be a blessing to them. And so as we go in, we don't say, you need to do things this way. We say, how do you do things, and how can we be a blessing? Because what I do doesn't necessarily work. What we do, and when we, we uh, brought on as a partnership Palabra and Acción in Guatemala City, we didn't say... Now that we're joined up and we're partners, you have to do things one, two, three, like, like we do them. That's not the case at all. We said, what do you do and how can we assist? How can we make it better? How can we help you to grow in what your vision is? Because their vision is to reach people. Our vision is to reach people. How we do that is two different ways because of the communities and the cultures that we live in. And so I'm not going to go in there and tell them how they need to do things. But a lot of places do. And God reminded me of that. And he said, when you go there, you see culture. When you go there, you see their unique hurts. And their brokenness and their pain and their, their triumphs. and their. But here, you say, I'm colorblind. I see everyone the same. You think you're being noble, but you're really adding to the hurt. I want to give you a scripture. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, this is in the Good News Bible just because I like some of the words that are used here. It says, after this, I looked, and there was an enormous crowd. No one could count. This is heaven, guys. No one could count all the people. And they were from every race, every tribe, every nation, and every language. That tells me right there that God sees color. Because he said in heaven, and I'm here to tell you this, if you have a problem with the color of somebody's skin or that somebody's from a different family, different tribe from you, or a different nation from you, you're not going to like heaven very much because they're all standing there together, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language. That tells me this, that even the ones that we have outcast, even the ones that our non-Christian nations are represented in the roles of heaven. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. And if God sees color, this is the first reality that I came to. If God sees color, I see color. If God sees, I see. God help me to see. God help me to see what I couldn't see before. Because maybe my colorblindness has caused me to desensitize to your hurt. Just because I don't treat you any differently, I assume that no one treats you any differently. And that's wrong. Just because I don't see you as, as anything separate from, from me, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And I need to be the voice for the ones that don't have a voice. I need to be the ones to stand for those who have stood so long that they can't stand anymore. I think that rioting in the streets and doing destruction is absolutely wrong. But I can tell you this. 
that if you've stood and you've stood and you've stood and you've stood and you feel like nobody hears you, maybe I can get your attention by breaking your stuff. I won't break your stuff, dude. I'm glad somebody's listening and talking back to me. <laughs> I ask God for perspective. But I think there's a better way. I think there's a better way. I think that I, if, if I was the voice, if you were the voice, for those that didn't have a voice or felt like that they weren't heard, if we showed them that we listen, if we show them that we hear, then maybe we could stop some of the destruction because there's an advocate. Because we hear, because we know, because we're doing our best to understand. And let me tell you this, that maybe it can start with a meme, maybe it can start with a hashtag, maybe it can start with putting a, a black picture on your Instagram, but if that's all it is, what did it do? If we just stop there and it's the flavor of the week, then what did we do? Did we really stand against injustice? So I didn't want to just be the norm, I started asking God, how do I... How do I do this? Because I don't know. But I'm not afraid of a fight. I've never been afraid of a fight. Let's go. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's do it. There's nothing that's too big. We failed our brothers and our sisters by not aggressively fighting the attack of the enemy to divide us, to marginalize families, to silence voices by not aggressively attacking it. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18, it says this, the Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus talking, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Guys, as the church, we have not been healing the brokenhearted because there is an entire segment of our society that is brokenhearted that we've ignored because we don't treat them any differently and we've ignored their broken heart. But Jesus had a special anointing from God to heal the brokenhearted. And if he carried that anointing, I carry that anointing. You carry that anointing as followers of Jesus. We are called to bring healing to the brokenhearted. So stop ignoring the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The recovery of sight to the blind. I love this. And this is where we're going to take the rest of the message from. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to say this, and this is something we say often around here, I am accepted by God. I want you to say it again. I am accepted by God. One more time so that the people in the cheap seats can hear you. I am accepted by God. I am accepted by God. The favor of God is on me. I believe that we have an entire segment of God's creation that because of decades and centuries of being beaten down and oppressed and broken with no answers, that they have lost sight of their position as accepted by God, just like many of us lose sight of our position as being accepted by God. I'm here to tell you this, that my job as a pastor is to remind you and keep in front of you all the time that you are accepted by God, that the favor of God is on your life, that God is working on your behalf, 
that you are above and not beneath. You are the head and you're not the tail. That God has created you as kings and queens in this life. And when one of you is hurting, and when one of you is broken, my job is to go after you and to be a coach. And to say, look, you know that you're the righteousness of God. Start acting like you're righteous. You know that you're accepted by him. Start acting like you're accepted. Lift your head up, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Swing wide, you everlasting doors. Let the king of glory come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord. He is strong and mighty. He is mighty in battle. So you don't have to walk around with your head held down. You can walk around with your head held high, knowing that I am accepted in the beloved and that God is fighting for me, what drives someone to pick up the battle for themselves? They forgot that God's fighting for them. They forgot that God's fighting for them. And there's a time in every one of our lives when we forget that God's fighting for us. We can't see it with our eyes because of circumstances around us. And I have to pick up my own arms. And I have to do it my way. But my job is to remind you that God is fighting your battle for you. And when you can't stand, my job is to hold you up. And when you can't speak, my job is to speak for you. And when you can't hear, my job is to put it in front of you. And we haven't done that like we should. But it stops now. We must be ministers of healing. But instead, we've been accomplices to hurt because of our silence. Not because we intended to. Not because we have hatred in our hearts. But because we've been apathetic. Because we've been blind. So the title of my message today, we're talking about in our society, and we see it all the time, and there's this big divide. Well, black lives matter, and no, all lives matter. And so I ask myself, what matters to God? What matters to God? So the title of my message, and Michelle's going to put it up somewhere. I don't know where it's at. Right there where you can't see it. Good. That's my fault. <laughs> That's my fault, not y'all, not Michelle. What matters to God? Luke chapter 15, I spent a ton of time, and I think that it's good because I don't have to establish a baseline. I hope that you've heard those messages, and maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't. I even did a series in our uh, daily content about that just recently, too. But I want to point out a few things, and I'm not going to go in depth. This was like a three-week series, like three hours of messages, all right? So I hope you ate breakfast. Luke chapter 15, first story that we see, verse 1, he says, and I love this, all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. Now, one thing that I like in, in uh, the context of what we're talking about today with this is that the people that were outside of the church were leaning in to hear what the church had to say. The tax collectors and sinners wanted to hear from Jesus. What do you have to say about this? Now, in our society today, people are leaning in. What does the church have to say about all of these issues? Well, in large part, we're not saying anything. And if the church doesn't lead, somebody else will. If the church doesn't lead, the enemy is going to provide a voice. I would rather hear from the voice of God. Amen? Amen. All the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. I love this because... Or I hate it. I, I could say I love it, but I, I, really, I just love that, that Luke pointed it out, really. Because he just totally puts these guys on the spot. He said, the tax collectors and sinners, they wanted to hear from Jesus, but the Pharisees and the scribes complained. <laughs> Isn't that just like some people? 
they started complaining. I knew when I brought this message today that we have the potential of upsetting people. There may be some of you we don't see again because you didn't like what we preached today. I don't know. I hope not. There may be some people that have already turned it off online. I, I hope not. But we run the risk of offending people. And it's not the objective or the goal, but it's the truth. Luke pointed out that there were some that got upset. It was the people that thought they were super religious. They got upset about this. They're probably the same people that don't like it that I'm wearing a t-shirt and a jean jacket and Nikes today. I don't know. He says, Jesus said, what man of you, if you have 100 sheep, loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 persons who need no repentance. Now, I want to point out one fact in every one of these stories, all three of these stories, the Bible lists a very clear at the end that he's talking about sinners and going and searching for the sinner. But I think that along with this, we're talking about the heart of God. And this is why. Has there ever been a time in your life after you received Jesus that you got your eyes focused on something else? And if you got your eyes focused on something else, was there a time when God still pursued you and he put something in front of you that was just so undeniable and that's why you're sitting in these chairs today? That's why you're here today? That's why... We can say that, man, I've been to the mountaintop and I've been to the valley and I came out of it and the mountain's better than the valley. So today, I want us to see the heart of God in these three stories. Number one thing I want to point out, we don't know why the sheep left. We don't know. Maybe just wandered off. Maybe he felt like he wasn't included. You ever left somewhere because you just didn't feel like you were accepted? Maybe he was hurting and broken and nobody reached out. I don't know. It doesn't say. We're making a lot of assumptions. But it doesn't say. All we know as he was with the 99, and then they were without the 99, and they were lost, and they were hurting. And what did the shepherd do? He went and searched until he found. The lost represent all of us at some point. All of us, we all have the potential but then we all are represented in the 99. And so there's two main lessons here that I want to bring out today. Number one, the shepherd rescued. The shepherd rescued. He went to the one. He didn't say, well, they know that our doors are open. If they had something to talk about, they should come and say it. Have we said that before? He went to the one. He searched for them. He went into the dark place and he found them and he threw them on his shoulders and he brought them back. But then look at what the 99 did. The 99 cared for the one. So the 99 supported the actions of the shepherd. And as the shepherd left, and the shepherd said, I'm going to go on a rescue mission. The 99 said, we're going to be here ready when you bring them back. 
And we're going to nurture them and care for them and show them their value and their importance. The 99 knew their position with the shepherd. The one was lost. The the one had the same position, but was lost. And it got in their eyes off of their position, got in their eyes off of their purpose, got in their eyes. Maybe it was because of hurt, I don't know. But they'd forgotten their position. So the shepherd brought them back and reminded them of their position. Second story. Or what woman, having ten coins and lost a coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, and when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents comes back to God. Two things to notice here. All the coins were valuable, but one was lost and was out of its position. And the woman searched everywhere until they found the one so that she could put it back in its rightful place of value and of purpose. I want to point out here that the word sin simply means to miss the mark, and I don't want to get in the weeds on this today, and I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the word sin means to miss the mark. I would say this, that let's set aside our, our uh, preconceived ideas about the word sin here for just one moment. And in regards to grace, any time that you don't understand that you're favored, any time that you don't understand that you're the righteousness of God, any time that you're not walking in the goodness and in the favor and in the acceptance of our Father, that we're missing the mark. We use sin as this dirty word. And I would say this. As Paul said, whatever is not of faith is sin. And so if we stand today and we're not walking in faith, we're missing God's best for us. And we need to be reminding where God's best is. And that's underneath his covering. We need to be reminding of what God's best is. And that's walking in the favor that belongs to you and that it belongs to me. And belongs to everyone. Does that make sense today? You guys with me still? Amen. Praise God. Last story. A certain man, he had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of all the goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled the stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion for him. He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you, against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. This is my son that was dead and is alive again. He was once lost, and now he is found. I want to point out here that the father searched for the son who had forgotten his position in the father's house. 
The father went out just like the woman, just like the shepherd. He went out and searched for the son who had forgotten his position. See, this is a son. This is someone who was in the house, who had it all, but forgot his position. And he goes out and he's lost. And the father searches and searches and searches. Now look, the father, when the son came back, he said, I'm not worthy because he forgot his position. He said, I'm not worthy. Somewhere along the line, something made him think that he wasn't worthy. And the father reminded him of his position. He put a robe on him. He put a ring on his finger. He put sandals on his feet. He said, no, I'm reminding you that this is your house, that you're favored in the house, that you're loved in the house, that you're accepted in the house. The father reminded him of his position. The story goes on. It says they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. He was working. And as he came, he drew near to the house. And he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants. And he asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. And because he was received safe and sound, your father killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and he pleaded with him. And so he answered. And he said, the son, I lost it. He answered and he said to him, this is the father talking. He said, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad because your brother that once was dead is now alive. Your brother that was once lost is now found. I think it's really interesting here that the oldest brother came and he said, Hey, what's this guy doing over here? I matter too. Does that sound familiar? Hey, what's this guy doing over here? Because I, I matter too. And the father said, son, don't you realize that every single day of your life, you've understood that very fact that you matter. You've understood that everything that's here is yours. You've understood that when you go to work, you're going to come home and you're going to sleep in the house. When you come home, that you can open up the refrigerator and everything that's there is yours. You've understood that you have access to everything that I have but your brother. But your brother, he forgot he always mattered to me. There was never a day that he didn't matter. In fact, the whole time that he was out lost, I was looking for him because he mattered so much. And then when it's time, I went out and I saw that he was coming back and that he was hurting and that he was broken. You know what he said to me? He said, I'm not even worthy to be in the house. Can you imagine? Have you ever thought for one day that you weren't worthy to be in the house? But your brother did. He thought that he wasn't worthy to be in the house. He thought that, that because of things maybe even that were beyond his control that he wasn't worthy to be in the house. But every single day, there was a spot for him in the house. Every single day, there was a spot for him. And I'm telling you what, when he came back, it was the best day in my life because the son that was gone is now back. He was lost and he's now found. I thought he might be dead, but he wasn't dead. He's alive and now he is back in the house. Son, you have always mattered, but your, your brother forgot that he was mattered. Your brother forgot his position in the house. And today, I've got to go the extra mile because I don't want him to ever forget that he matters. Today, what is our response? What matters to God? The lost matter to God. 
the lost matter to God. And so today, I see people that are hurting. I see people that are broken. I see people that have been ignored. And I believe that the heart of God is to tell them that they matter. But I believe that the heart of God is not only to tell them that they matter, but to show them that they matter. I believe that the heart of God is to examine ourselves and say, how can I do a better job as one who understands my position? How can I do a better job of showing the ones that are hurting what their position is? Because their position is the same as mine. My job is to show them that they're valuable. My job is to show them that there's never been a day that they weren't beloved, that there's never been a day that favor was not on them. And maybe because of events in society, they lean towards showing or, or very overt actions have proved that some don't see them as valuable. But that hurts me because it hurts God. And so today, commit to reach out to the ones that some have said are not valuable and to say, no, that's absolutely false because in the eyes of God, you are valuable because in the eyes of God, you are beloved because in the eyes of God, you are a king and a queen because in the eyes of God, you are the head and not the tail because in the eyes of God, you are above and not beneath because in the eyes of God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of things that have come into your life. I apologize for the things that have made you feel any less, but I'm here to be the voice of God in this earth, in this church, in this community to reach out and to say today no more will we stand for the ignorant voices that will shout out things that are absolutely false and contrary to the mind of God. I believe the heart of God is that we aggressively go after the lost to show them that you matter because I've found a God that in spite of all my mistakes and in spite of all my inadequacies and my deficiencies, that he still loves me and he still cares for me and that I'm welcomed in his house. And I want you to see that too because you matter to God. Amen? Praise God. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that we're accepted. God, I ask today, I'm going to ask you to join me in this prayer today. for our brothers and our sisters that haven't had the same road as us. God, I ask you that you pour out your love in a special way. God, that you rearrange our hearts so that we see the world the way that you see it. God, that we won't be blind to the hurt of our brothers and our sisters. God, that we won't be blind to the problems in our society but we'll ask, how can we be the change? Can I tell you this, over the last two weeks, 
as I think of things, as I, I read things. And I made a lot of phone calls in areas in, in our community because that's an area that we can change rapidly. So I've called and I've, I've asked, I've made phone calls. One of the problems that we get into is we read something in an article or something like that and we assume it's across the board, but it's not necessarily, and I'm certainly not saying that there are not injustices in our community. But what I'm saying is before you pick up a torch and a pitchfork, that you ask questions, that you educate yourself, I read something. If you don't know where to start, come and talk to me. We had a great discussion the other night about some of these very things. I have notes that I took down of things that we need to check on because we just don't know the answer. One of the, the things is I, I had read an article about systematic racism in, in our public school system. And so I called uh, the assistant superintendent and we had a, about a 45 minute discussion about some of those things. And when I asked her about some of the, the questions that I had, she said, you're partially right and you're partially wrong. And, and some of the things where I thought there may be deficiencies, there weren't, but she pointed out other areas of deficiencies and things that we maybe can help with. My overall point is that we have a lot to learn. We have a lot of making up to do because we haven't taken the time to learn. Can we make our world a better place? Well, we can start with our family. We can start by having conversations with our kids. We've talked to our kids. Our kids actually have been gone the last three weeks. We're going. Uh, we're flying tomorrow to go pick them up. We just put them on a plane. We said, take them wherever. Well, not really. They're with family. We're going to have more conversations. Be willing to talk about the things that you've been told not to talk about. It, it's a cancer in our society that we won't talk about Racism, it's a cancer in our society that we won't talk about politics. It's a device of the enemy that we get so angry and it's so polarizing. It's detrimental, guys, it's detrimental to our society. I don't care where you stand politically. You need to have an open mind. We need to be willing to discuss. And we need to be willing to shake hands, to hug, to be friends, even when we disagree. Every time that you lose your cool because of a post on Facebook or Instagram, the enemy won. Every time. Every time that you lash out because it's easier behind a keyboard than it is staring somebody in the eye. The enemy is one. Why are we allowing this to creep in and cripple us? We're better than this. We are better than this. And every single time that we pretend to know what somebody else is going through. The enemy has won. I'm tired of letting the enemy win. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of not saying anything about it because I don't want to upset anybody. I'm tired of it. I want to be a voice of reason. And I want you to keep me in check that if I'm not being a voice of reason, I want you to call me on it. 
I'm not going to get mad at you. I can't. I want the same relationship with you. Because church, we've got to be better. We have to be. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you're on the other side of that camera and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to make the best decision that you've ever made in your life. And that's to know love like you've never known love before. We've said it today so often that Jesus Christ made a way for you to receive God's favor. And that was through his death, burial, and resurrection. So the scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you today, if you've never done that, please do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Whether you're watching online or you're in the room today, I want to invite you to say this prayer with us as a show of support to our family, to our friends, to our brothers and sisters that may have never said it. So say this, say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website, and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love.